This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. Well, we are in week two of our series that we have called Family Values. And as we mentioned last week, uh, this series is actually about church. We have on our front door, we have Welcome Home, and we have it at different places. We have it on a video at the beginning, and that's how um, one of the ways, one of the vibes that we want to think about church, that we want it to feel like home. In other words, we want to, to feel comfortable for, uh, for you if this is your home church, and then for new people coming in, we want them to feel like it's like a place that they can call home, that we are just going to spend a, a few weeks here just talking about the church that Jesus said he was building his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So we get to be part of the church. This is how we need to think about ourselves as individual Christ followers. Yes, we have experienced salvation as an individual and God has called us as individuals. But one of the things that uh, for those of us that call ourselves Christ followers, that God has called us to be part of the church. There's not supposed to be any lone wolf Christians off on their own, that God has actually called us to be part of his family. And that's what a local church is. It's a, it's a family. It's a local family of God. And we, and we love uh, local churches. We, we had an opportunity just this last week to be a blessing to, bunch, to a bunch of pastors and ministers who came in for a leadership gathering. And so there's lots of great churches, different styles of church, different approaches to church, all these different things, all lifting up the name of Jesus. And in Canada, North America, around the world, just God is doing great things through his family. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be part of what God is doing through the church. So that's what we're talking about in this series. So if you uh, missed last week, last week we just talked about this idea, and, and I mentioned this idea. You know, there's really no reason for Christians to be sad or grumpy or angry. Once we know the truth of what the gospel message is, and once we know the truth that we are children of God, we should be actually happy individuals. And part of uh, us gathering together is that we should be celebrating and worshiping and just being glad to gather together because of what God has done for us. So if you missed that message, it's available on our podcast or online on our website and through the church app. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to John chapter 1. So as we think about church, we don't, we don't want to think about church as just somewhere that we go, that it is actually... Um, a family that we are a part of, that I am actually part of the church. It's not just a thing that I attend or a part of once a week. It's actually who I am. The church, the body of Christ, the family of God, all synonymous terms. And God has called us to be his body. That's what he calls the church, the body of Christ. So we get to do Jesus things. <clears throat> now we know that God is the transcendent judge of all the earth. Um, and, and he has some very uh, specific things as part of his character and his nature. But he's given some things for us as the church, for us things to think about, ways to act, and sort of an ethos about what church should be like. And that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about this morning as we remember that we are the family of God. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. So those of us that follow Jesus, 
One of the things that we know about ourselves that we just sang about this morning is that I am a child of God. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, when I was growing up in my home, um, we would have my, my parents had a lot of standards in our home for a lot of different things. And one of the uh, things that my parents would say, specifically my dad, he would say something like this. And maybe you could tell me if your dad said this. We are cultures, so we act this way. Did anybody have a dad like that? And so what was he doing? He was calling something about our family that our family acts a certain way. And the same would be true for the kingdom of God. For those of us that call ourselves children of God, God has something for us to discover, some values for us to discover, ways for us to live, attitudes for us to embrace. See, we have to move beyond this idea that church is just all about my preferences and what I like and what I don't like. And, you know, we've gone, if you've grown up in church, you have certain things that you're used to, certain things that you like. Um, maybe worship style, room decorations, a thousand other things that you don't even know that you like as it relates to church. But we all think church should be this way. And so a lot of times when people go to look for a church, they look for things that they like. But we have to move beyond that notion. We have to move, we have to transcend that idea because if we think about church that way, then it's just another thing that we consume. And we're not supposed to just consume church. We are actually a part of church. We are the church. So back to this idea that, so God wants us to discover values. What is valuable to God beyond a worship style, beyond room decorations? What is valuable to God as it relates to his church, as it relates to his family? That's what we're discussing in this series. So we see all through the New Testament that Jesus called God Father. We see the church as the bride of Christ, another relational familial term that we are children through adoption, that we are children through the new birth, that we are members of God's household, all phrases that we see in the New Testament. We are the assembly of the firstborn. Once again, a family reference. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. Now, when we think about family, this is one of the things, too, that we would always think about family is that families love each other. Or maybe I should say it like this. Families should love each other. Right? And when we think about family, you know, we have, we have great memories with our family. And then we have other memories. We have other memories, whatever those categories might be. And if you've grown up in church, you have the same thing. Right? You, you have good memories at church and then you have other memories. And this is what happens to you a lot of times people at church, you know, they have a difficult situation at church and so they disengage from church because it didn't end up being the way that they wanted it to be. The problem at church is that everybody else is just like you. They're imperfect. Church is led by imperfect people and attended by imperfect people. So when we go to church and we're a part of a church, we have great memories at church, then we also have difficult memories at church, but the same way is true with our family. Now, my sister, who's three years older than me, we got along fairly well um, in life growing up together. And uh, she was always very tall. And so it was always good to have a big sister at school because I never got beat up except by her. So I'm not sure. I mean, she didn't really beat me up. I mean, just, you know, kind of like she was a very tall uh, person from a very young age. And so she was, she had this just ability just to, you know, give me a straight arm and sort of hold me down when necessary. 
And I've told this story before, but it's always a good story to tell. You know, my, my dad was one of those that disciplined us uh, very much so. And one of the uh, times that he would discipline us was on road trips, right? And, you know, the way you try to discipline your children on road trips is like this, <laughs> right? You don't want to stop the car. And so my dad threatened us at one point, if I hear another noise between the two of you, I'm going to pull the car over. And you know what would happen. My dad pulled the car over. You young kids don't know. Uh, we would get spanked. That's what happens when we survive. Those of us that got spanked, we survived, right? Yes. Don't get me started on that. Okay. <laughs> so he, my dad tells a story. He was driving along a little bit further, and it was strangely quiet. It went from loud and fighting to strange quietness. And he, and he turned around and he glanced and all he saw was my arms moving and my sister was sitting on my head. But neither of us were going to make a noise because we didn't want dad to pull over the car. But, you know, that's what family is like. Sometimes we don't get along, but ultimately we love each other. We go to the wall for your family, Right. You sacrifice your, for your family. You're there for your family. Why is it you do that for your family? Ultimately, the baseline of it, of it is that you love your family like no one else. And this is how God wants us to operate as the family of God. He wants us to operate through love. Now, I'm going to read you a verse that I've read many times here at this church, and I'm going to keep reading it many times until Jesus comes. Because it's a really important verse, and I think it's very important as we think about how church functions as a family and how we operate together. And it is the New Testament command, and it's found here in John chapter 13, verse 34, says this. Now, Jesus is speaking, and he says, A new command I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. And how did Jesus love us? He loved us sacrificially, gave himself for us. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. How does Jesus want us to be known as a family, as a local family of God? What does he want us to be famous for? He wants us to be famous for love. If you are my disciples, how how are we going to be known as Jesus' disciples if we love each other? So God is doing something in the church that the church is on display for the world. And this is how Jesus wants his followers to be known. This is what he wants us to be famous for. See, we want to be famous for our doctrine. We want to be famous for the famous preachers that we listen to. We want to be famous for our worship style that we affirm. And then the worship styles that we don't affirm, we want to be famous for that. And then the preachers that we don't like, we want to be famous for that. But Jesus wants us to be famous for love. That all of us together, this is the challenge for us this morning. If you call City Church your home church, us as a local family of God. This is what Jesus, let me read it for you again. By this, all people will know you are my disciples. A learner, that I'm learning after God, that I'm learning the ways of God. That's what a disciple is. By this love, Jesus is saying, this is how people will know 
that you are my disciples. And I would say, as the church, to speaking as a part of the church my whole life, we've got some work to do. Is that how people think about the church? Come on now. People outside of the church, are they looking at that group? They're just such a loving group. Is that what they think about us? Then we got work to do. But let's start here. That's the point of the, what Jesus is saying. Let's start here with us, with the group, with the family. That's what a church is. The church is an assembly. It's a group. It's a family. It's not me off on my own because you can't love anybody when you're by yourself. You're just by yourself. But God wants us to what? Love one another. So we have a challenge. When we gather together, when we come together, when we're part of the family of God, what are we supposed to do? God wants us to love each other. Yes, he wants us to worship him. He wants us to grow closer to him. He wants us to understand the word of God, know the promises of God, experience the Holy Spirit. But the relational side of all of that is God wants us to love each other. Practically, really, he wants us to love each other. And just like my sister, sometimes it's hard to love my sister. You ever, have you ever, not today, certainly not today, but have you ever gone to a church where there's been someone who attended that church where you're like, don't like them. I know I'm going to have to spend eternity with them in heaven. We'll deal with that later. But right now, <laughs> no thanks. But what is God calling us to do? He's calling us to love that individual. And just like in your family, it's hard to love that crazy uncle sometimes. It's hard to love somebody at church, but God is calling us to love each other. <clears throat> How are we going to do that? Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. How are we going to love people? Well, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us. God is actually empowering us by his spirit. Amongst all of the other things that he empowers us to do, how are we going to love the unlovable? By the power of the spirit of God. That God is going to assist us. He's going to help us. He's going to show us ways that we can love each other. So in a family, love functions different ways between different people. And I've said this before, you know, how I, I love my children because I'm raising them and I'm disciplining them. My love manifests a very specific way. But that love does not manifest the same way with my wife. I'm not raising my wife. And she's not raising me. It's too late. I've been raised. So that love shows up different ways, but it, it shows up within the context of the family. Listen to this. First Peter chapter five, verse one. Do not rebuke an older man talking about church, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if your widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn how to show godliness to their own household to make some return to their parent. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. Here's how we do family relationships at church. 
You treat your father a certain way with a certain measure of respect. So the, the men that are older at church, you treat them with that same respect. So what does it say? You don't rebuke them. Why? Because you're treating them like part of your family. Are you with me today? This is how love shows up in the family of God. Older women as mothers. So if your earthly mother is already in heaven, there's other mothers in the family of God. That's the beautiful part of church. It's a family. If you never, if you're an only child, you've got a bunch of other brothers and sisters here at church. You're not an only child anymore. Older women as what, as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So we treat each other a very specific way. The ethic of love shows up a very specific way in the family of God. Here's some other ways that love shows up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The scripture talks about friendships It says that iron sharpens iron. In other words, that through the context of friendship that you can grow and you can be sharpened and something good can happen at the end of a good mutual relationship. What can happen? We can inspire each other. And this can only happen in the context of relationship, in the context of getting together. See, we have the technology today where we could all just sit at home and watch church, right? Stream or go online or whatever. But ultimately, we're going to miss something if we don't gather together. Thank God for technology. But he's calling us to get together so that what we can do, we can inspire each other. See, and once again, if we, if we just have church in another consumer category, well, it doesn't actually matter if I go. But I I want you to look at it from a different way. It doesn't matter if you go, but but you're thinking of it the wrong way. If you don't go, then you're missing out on the opportunity to be an inspiration to somebody else. And you might think, well, what do I have? What do I have that could help somebody else? Well, have you raised children? Are you an empty nester? We have a church full of parents who need help, who need help to raise their kids. And so what can you do? You can inspire them. Well, I just don't feel like going to, yeah, I get it. I understand. I don't feel like it. It's hard. You got to get up and you go to, you get up every day and you go to work and all of that. I get it. But part of what the scripture is telling us that I'm actually not just going for myself. I'm actually going to do something for someone else. And this helps us to understand the family dynamic. The family dynamic. See, when you, when you have a party at your house and you have children, what do you say to your children? Get ready. Somebody's coming over. I'm, I'm going to have you do something for the people that are coming over. Why? Because you're part of the family. And this is the way we need to think about church. We're, we're gathering together. Somebody, is, we're showing up together today. 
And we have the opportunity to bless and encourage and inspire one another to do good, th- good things. We can encourage each other so that you can provide something. You, in your seat, you can provide something in the family of God, young or old. Here's another part of church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another... <coughs> In love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your call. Now, this describes church so well. Bearing with one another in love. That all of us, you know, I mentioned the crazy uncle a little while ago. But the reality is that all of us irritate people sometimes. Even me. I go too far with jokes sometimes. If you get too close to me, there's going to be a joke that goes too far. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And so, what are you going to do? We've got to bear up with me. You might have to deal with it a little bit. And see, I do a lot of talking here. There might be something that I say one time, amazingly enough, that you might not fully agree with. And in that moment, you got a choice. You'd be like, is this my church or do I got to find another family to get to? Why? I'm, we're going to bear up with each other. <clears throat> Love one another. Why? So that we can find unity in Christ. See, there's a purpose. There's a purpose for us to gather that we can be this loving community, but then we can be put on display for the world. There's a purpose in our unity. There's a purpose for us to bear up with one another, with our idiosyncrasies, to overlook certain things. To love each other and to forgive each other so that we can be put on display for the world to be a Jesus community. What does a Jesus community look like? How does Jesus want us to look? He wants us to look like we love each other. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says... Brothers and sisters, this is a family inspiration moment, part of the church, part of the church family. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, another translation says you that are spiritual, growing up in church, I I thought the spiritual people were the people that sang too loud in worship service and were so weird that you couldn't talk to them. I thought, well, I guess they're really spiritual. I don't understand what they're saying and they're really weird and I don't think they can function in a job. But I guess that's spiritual. I'm so thankful that the scripture defines it differently. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person Gently. What do the spiritual people do? What do the spiritual people do? They restore people who have messed up in some way. This is what being a part of the family of God looks like. Because all of us are not going to live perfect all of the time. Have you figured that out? Have you figured that out about yourself? And so what should we do with each other? Let's just kick everybody out. 
who makes a mistake. Let's just kick everybody out who sins. If that were true, none of us would be here this morning. But the spiritual people, what do we do? We restore. How are we going to do it? We're going to restore gently. But watch yourselves so you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is love. The law of Christ is love. How are we going to do it? Carry each other's burdens. Now think about it that way. Just, just with this verse. If you, if you don't come to church, you might miss a really good worship set. If you don't come to church, for sure you're missing a really good sermon. Should have been some more amens there. I don't know. But if you... No, I'm just joking. If you don't come to church, for sure, for sure, you're missing the opportunity to carry someone else's burdens. And that's something you provide. That's something that you give. That's something that you bring to the table as part of the family of God. This is the family of God. Listen, somebody at church needs you. Somebody at church needs you. Somebody in the family of God needs you to be you. The things that God has brought you through... Somebody needs to know that story. The ways that God has helped you and blessed you and the ways that you know the promises of God. Somebody needs to know that. So this is not a guilt thing. If you don't come to it's not what I'm talking about. I just want you to see yourself important in the family of God because you know what is true? You are important in the family of God. Last verses, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, talking about the body of Christ, talking about the church, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, feet, I have no need of you. <coughs> On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we stow the greater honor. And our under unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. That there be, may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Everybody say that. Care for one another. Care for one another. Yes, we're going to sing and worship. Yes, we're going to preach. But what else do we need to do? We need to care for one another. And this is all of us. All of us together as the family of God. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. And this is what the family of God looks like. Somebody's going to have a family member at some point that's going to pass away. And what are we going to do? We're going to suffer with them. 
Somebody's going to have a tragedy. Somebody's going to have a difficult situation. What are we going to do? We're going to get with them and we're going to suffer with them. And then what else is going to happen? Well, somebody's going to get a promotion and somebody's going to get a miracle and something amazing is going to happen. And what are we going to do? We're going to rejoice with them. We're not going to tell the people that are suffering, don't suffer. And we're not going to tell the people that are rejoicing, don't rejoice. We're going to do both because this is what families do. Families have weddings and families have funerals. Families have celebrations and families go to the hospital sometime. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to do it together as the family of God. Jesus wants the city church to be famous for love. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word today. We're so thankful for your goodness in our lives. And we are so thankful that we are part of the church. We are so thankful, Lord, for how much you love us. And it is because you love us that we can love others. And we pray, Lord, that you help us to do that by the Holy Spirit. That you lead us and guide us as we are a part of the family of God. That you hook us up, Lord, with the people that we can be a blessing to. The people whose burdens that we can carry. The people that we can encourage and strengthen and share our stories with. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for the family of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.